Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon. We have 14 employees, over 650 titles in print with 20 to 40 new books per year, and we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, we are going to talk about leverage. Ellie, what is leverage? So I learned the concept leverage from Andy Grove's book, um, High Impact Management, which is very... That seems a little advanced. Let's start with a lesson that you learned last week while installing ceiling drywall. <laughs> Got it. Well, um, yes, I actually learned about leverage on, as a child on the seesaw. Mm -hmm. Oh, the there you go. Mm -hmm. That's a great <laughs> one. Mm -hmm. And what did you learn? I learned that... Um, you can perfectly balance the seesaw if you can kind of get each person scooted forward or backward just to the right amount. But I also learned that if you ask another young girl when you're nine and she's nine how much she weighs, she will probably burst into tears. Oops. Mm, okay. A lot of lessons in that. Sorry, background. Lauren. <sighs> well, here we are. I know. The, uh, mm hmm. And so. Seemingly, these might be disparate definitions or disparate concepts, but really they are not. Uh, no, I suppose not. I feel like you're going to be better equipped to give a scientific explanation of how lovers work <laughs> than I am. <laughs> Though I can tell you all about the social dynamics of negotiating them. Finally, that's what I'm here for, everyone. So leverage is, you know, like, you are only so strong. Well, you're probably really strong. You're a book publisher. But you probably lift a lot of boxes. But you, if you had like a lever or, you know, like a bar, you could often use that to a much greater leverage than if you were just trying to pry something with your hands. Right, like a crowbar. That's why mm -hmm. a crowbar works, leverage. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not making you any stronger. You are only as strong as you are, but it enables you to do things that you wouldn't be able to do without it. So, and it, it basically, it's like a force multiplier for your strength. Yes, there you go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, in the leverage, I mean, a lever is a force multiplier for, it's not only just for your strength, it's for anything. Or all kinds of strengths, emotional strengths, uh, <laughs> you know. So when we talk about leverage in management. Yeah, I was going to approach financial leverage first, but Ooh, you're right. Financial leverage. Because that's... So, There's so many things we can do with levers. Mm -hmm, right. And so that's basically like, what are the things that you could spend money on that work like a lever to produce more leverage, you know? And in boring people talk, you know, statisticians or accountants would call that return on investment. But that makes it sound really boring. And a lever is actually pretty fun. So think about it in terms of like, when I do it this way, what am I getting out of it? When I do it this way, what am I getting out of it? You know, and that's sort of how, well, that's exactly how leverage works. And then you want to repeat your successes and, you know, like you could, you can do things that have minimal leverage. You could do them all day long, but what you'll find out is that pretty quickly over time, 
the reward of a smaller lever, you would just be better doing something else, you know, even if it's like somewhat helpful. It has to serve a larger goal. And so, you know, in book publishing, sometimes it's like we have a lot of shorter levers that allow us to sell into certain accounts, even though we don't ever make money from selling those books, we are able to sell them books where we do make money or we're able to grow into that or, you know, you know, the way I... Right, like the, the books where we don't make money are the thin end of the wedge, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. And the way I explain it to purchasing is, you know, you, you want to be getting titles that allow us to shore up those existing, like, healthy, good accounts. You want to get titles that allow us to get into new accounts if we just had enough for them to work with us. And you want to get the ones where, you know, it just gives an opportunity for a, a relationship that's going stale, you know, to have for the salesperson to have a reason to get in touch with that account, you know. So you have sort of three reasons. Yeah. Right, where you like, right, like you're one, like if you are a salesperson and you have time to make one phone call, you want to choose the one that has the greatest leverage. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. if it's like calling an account about one book that they might buy two of, if it gets you into them placing a bigger order for other books too. And sometimes right. the biggest leverage is the person that's not going to scream at you, and sometimes the, <laughs> you know, it's like the thing that will like give you that oomph to do your job better. Right. Tomorrow. Or sometime, you know, just to feel like you had that, like, one win today. So what is, like, like how, like, what is the best leverage that a book publisher can get for their time and effort? Well, I mean, it's the... I, I, I've ran into something this week where somebody claimed to have invented the concept of passive income, but I don't think that's possible because I feel like that's something as old as time, you know? Right, I guess passive income is in fact the best leverage that there <laughs> yeah. is. It's a law of physics. So like the, be the best leverage is something that you did years ago that is slowly continuing to have payoffs based on, you know, promotion, marketing, labor, editorial production that you did, you know, 20 years ago. That would truly be the best. Right, and you're like making minimal effort now but getting yeah. lots of rewards in you return. Just, yeah. You just have to maintain, you know, and so the, and then, you know, from there it's books that are similar to that book, from there it's, you know, books that sell well alongside that book, which is a thin difference, but a very important distinction. And then from there it's, you know, places that you want to grow to, but without being too far from what you are known for. I think we already actually did a whole episode on leverage and management. I think it was like, how should I spend my time? I mm -hmm. forget what it was called. We can try to link to it in the mm -hmm. episode notes. But it's, I mean, and I feel like it, you know, a lot of, every episode of this podcast is the same. It's really just a matter of like <laughs> explaining the concept in a way <laughs> that resonates where the concepts connect, you know? Because I feel, I, you know, and I, I feel like I have this conversation a lot with publishers where they're like, I'm just, you know, my efforts are just not paying off. And then I say something, but the thing that I'm saying is, you know, just not connecting. Like, they can't really understand how the, what they're doing is not futile. But, and so I, I need to say it in a way that does connect. So know. if you like reading books, I, maybe you do. <laughs> As a publisher. <laughs> I really recommend a book that you probably would never pick up in a million years because it does not look like it would be good, but Andy Grove's High Output Management is all about leverage in business. It's not at all about publishing, but mm -hmm. that was like very eye-opening for me mm -hmm. to like really understand that concept and like just kind of make 
better decisions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and this is, it's the age-old thing of, you know, there's so many things you could do in a day. And then by the time you, you know, what is called proof of concept and scaling in the modern tech world and or disrupting or other such words that previously had meaning, the, all those concepts are basically saying, does, you know, is there interest in what you're doing? Would it scale? You know, would it work at 10 times your size? Would it work at a thousand times your size? You know, and by work, I mean, like, are there enough people? Like, would they pay for it? Would, you know, can you do your two, your liabilities and your income, do they level out? Right, I guess the best example of leverage, or like not using leverage we ever found was that person we met who was a self-published author who could sell her books one by one anywhere she was. She was so good at selling her books one at a time, but she could not yeah. get better leverage. She could never get find a situation where she could sell five books or ten books or a hundred books. Right, because the customer is maybe, you know, on a good day, a customer might be like, oh, I'll take two, you know. Yeah. It's just not something that scales, you know. So you need something where if it did work out, it would work out smashingly, you know. So, and that can be difficult, you know, especially it's difficult if these are unfamiliar concepts or if you're newer at this, you know. And so, uh, fundamentally though, the, it, this isn't something that you'll master in a day, it's something that you'll master in a lifetime. So, it's definitely the kind of thing where, as our friend uh, Amy Joy told, or no, was it not Amy Joy? It was uh, somebody in Amsterdam told us that the theme of the country was to get 5% better every year. So that was we, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. Jessica told us that. Yes, that's that's right. She <laughs> told us that in a cafe. But point being, <laughs> we adopted that. Your romantic moment of being in a cafe in Amsterdam I really did, touched I, me. It was <laughs> truly one of the best moments of that trip. But the you know point being is... You know, everybody feels like they want to go from zero to 60 in five seconds. And, you know, as such, a lot of people like really romanticize sports cars. But that's actually really boring and not as common as you might believe. It's much more or it's much less risk and much greater chance of success if you build to that, you know. Don't crash your sports car. Please. Try hypermiling instead. For the children. Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.